0: Said Maisie Ball is only about the single, the bunt, and the stolen base. Brandy Maisie and the Mountaineers bringing out the power swings this weekend against the Kansas Jayhawks. Ryan Decker, Sam Coniglio here with you on another baseball edition of the Golden Blue Nation podcast, brought to you by Pritt and Spano, West Virginia's lawyers, your WVLawfirm.com. Sam WVU ends up taking this series on the road at Kansas, but Certainly, a series that became more interesting, a little bit more close than West Virginia would have liked going into it. But the story of this series, certainly the power swing of the Mountaineers, ten home runs for WVU in this series.
1: Yeah, that that adds more than 50 percent to their home run total. That's <laughs> just they they had 29 coming into this series, and now they have 39. Obviously, yeah. if you if you passed first grade math, but um, yeah, they were they were mashing the ball. Um, we saw a lot of. People hit homers that don't normally do that. Braden Barry was hitting homers. Grant Hussey came alive, and he's been struggling all Big 12. But, you know, again, 10 homers, like you said, that was something we've never seen from the WV team this year.
0: Yeah, going into this series, the most home runs that West Virginia had hit in any one weekend series against one team was three. They did that three times this year, and they just completely obliterated that that mark of this season. Ten home runs on the weekend for WVU. They had just one in the series opener on Friday, which was a head-scratcher for WVU. They lost that one 7-3. Jacob Waters really struggled in that start. But West Virginia, they power past Kansas on Saturday, 10-7 the final there, WVU hits four home runs in that game and Grant Hussey the West Virginia kid hits two and Sam he had another run on Sunday I know Hussey is someone you want to talk about seems like his bat starting to heat up here at least against Kansas as we now turn the page turn the calendar to the month of May
1: yeah Hussey was kind of put in a tough spot you know he's the tough top recruit coming out of come, coming into this class mm-hmm. uh, he's out of West Virginia um, so you know a lot of expectations really strong start to the season but he Just kind of tailed off a little bit. Now, we have to remember, he's a freshman recruit. He's not a free agent signing, so you can't heap tons of expectations on top of him in year one. But still, you know, to kind of go through his Big 12 box scores, 0 for 11 against TCU, 1 for 9 against Baylor, 0 for 9 against Oklahoma State, and 2 for 7, Against Texas Tech, that's a grand total of three for thirty-six yeah. in twelve wow. uh, games. You know that's that's tough. He didn't have his first Big Twelve hit until the last game of the second series. Um, and you remember we, he struck out what seven times to start to start his yeah, career in the TCU. Big Twelve yeah. against TCU. This series, he was five for twelve with three homers um, and, and a double in there as well, and a double in there as well. You know, he was in, and that still gets him to a team high nine homers. He still leads the league, or he does not lead the league uh, in homers. We'll get to that guy later. But leads the team, I should say, with nine homers. And uh, it was his first homer in almost a month and a half. At the same time, though, he (laughs) leads the team in strikeouts. He's the perfect New York Yankee. Hits a lot of homers, (laughs) strikes out a lot. Um, Just the three true outcomes. But, yeah, I mean, we saw a lot of what we could see out of Grant Hussey going forward in this series. He just needs to kind of get that consistency going through the last month of the season.
0: Grant Hussey now with some updated stats is now in the top 10 in the conference in home runs with nine on the year. Of course, some of those stats will be updated as this day goes on because we're in the midst of a couple really exciting Big 12 series. We'll talk about those as we go here throughout this podcast. Of course, we're coming to you on Sunday, May 1st, just after WVU defeated Kansas 10-8 to in the series finale on Sunday. And Sam... West Virginia, we were talking about the power stroke of Grant Hussey. Well, he was part of the power performance on Sunday. He hits a home run on Sunday, the third of the series for him. Braden Barry hits two, Nathan Blasik hits one, McGuire Holbrook hits one. Five home runs on the day on Sunday for WVU. And that last one by Braden Berry, really important because the bullpen kind of faltered there at the end. gave Gives up a home run of their own to Kansas and Kansas went from down by five to down by two with the tying run at the plate, but the long ball, huge again Sunday.
1: Yeah, and those three guys that you mentioned, Barry, Blassick, and Holbrook, have really showed out in the middle of the lineup. Holbrook's the cleanup guy. Barry went from the eight-hitter to the five-hitter, and, well, Blasik was actually the five-hitter today, mm-hmm. but generally speaking, Barry's been in that five-hole, and, and Blasik has been earning a spot in the starting lineup. I've been kind of an advocate of Blasik Nate Blassick all mm-hmm. season, but because he's been kind of a pinch hitter doesn't didn't really have a spot in the lineup he's come in as a dh holbrook's kind of taking that catcher's spot when dane leonard isn't but yeah braden berry of those three has really showed out um he's batting over 300. does he still you have the stats up does he still lead the team in uh, batting average
0: Braden Barry, 308 batting average right now for Braden Barry. Yeah,
1: he's he's hitting the ball, and this past weekend he hit the hit the cover off the ball, um, but yeah, just just an, an, Unreal, kind of diamond in the rough kind of guy they've had this year. In yeah, Braden Barry.
0: Yeah, Braden Barry's really provided a nice spark for this team. As has Nathan Blastic, who I, I'm 100% with you. Uh, probably should be in the starting lineup as much as possible, as much as he can be. He goes yard, and in fact, McGuire, Holbrook, Nathan Blasic, and Braden Barry. They went back to back to back with two outs in the fifth inning to help WVU kind of get back into this game. They, they were down four to two at one point, and really did not look like things were going well. That Sunday game was one of those games where, at the start, it looked like West Virginia was gonna gonna take control. Zach like, Bravo looked decent at the start. The offense was starting to hit, and then Kansas came back with four straight runs to take the lead. And you're like, is this game gonna get away from West Virginia? Is this gonna be another game like Friday where you just kind of scratch your head at the outcome? And then the top of the fifth inning happens. You're like, no, West Virginia's going to win this game. It's going to be okay, uh, and that's kind of what happened in this game for WVL.
1: Yeah, it was a little more comfortable than the score line kind of said. It was yeah. a two-run, ten-to-eight game for West Virginia, but yeah, the, the, they were they were blasting. Like you said, back-to-back-to-back home runs. That's the first time we've seen that all season. Probably didn't even probably haven't seen that in a few years. I didn't do that research. But.
0: I'd be, I'd be interested to see when the last time a back-to-back-to-back home run Uh, surge came
1: yeah that that was just a (laughs) kind of shocking you know back to back you can see that with Holbrook and Blasik they're they're kind of home run hitters but you know throwing Braden Barry in there who going into that at bat had two homers on the season or no that was no he only had one homer on the season and then he ended up having three by the end of the day Um, yeah just just an interesting game, uh, you, again, you kind of scratch. You did kind of end up scratching your head at the scoreline, um, the final result, but um, not because they were losing like Friday, just because you know it was ten to eight with a bunch of homers, five homers.
0: Yeah, it, and certainly in the, at the end of that game, it was one where. Randy Masey didn't want to have to go to his midseason stopper of the year watch list arm and Trey Braithwaite. You could tell he brought in Kevin Dowdell hoping to get a couple of outs there at the very end. And unfortunately, after the home run that Noah Short gave up, Dowdell wasn't able to get that last out. So you have to bring in Trey Braithwaite, who does, in the midst of this, get his sixth save of the year. So good for him. He pad the stat line a little bit. Only needed one pitch to do it, to face one batter. But, or it gets two pitches, maybe, to face one batter. But... The nice thing for West Virginia is you had to bring him in, okay, but at least you did it in a situation where everyone gets to rest for the next six days as you ramp up to face a Texas team this coming weekend. We'll talk about that as we go along here. But Sam, one of the things I wanted to talk about, you know, coming out of this series now, the current state of WVU. Following Friday's game, WVU had lost four of their last five. They've now come back to win two in a row, albeit against the worst team standings-wise in the Big 12 Conference in Kansas. Where do you kind of put West Virginia right now? They've kind of floated back to the mid of the pack in the Big 12 Conference and some big conference contests looming here for for the Mountaineers. Where do you kind of see WVU fitting into things as we stand here right now at the start of May?
1: You know, it's kind of interesting. Uh, baseball teams these days are built for, they say in the majors, they say they're built for the 162. You know, they're built to score a ton of runs. Um over a long span and that's that's the same right now on my computer i have oklahoma state and texas playing and those two teams are built to hit the ball far a lot Mm -hmm. and you know they're going to drop some games here and there but wvu i think is built to win the individual baseball game They're situational baseball Um, and, and right now like you said they're kind of in the middle of the pack they're I don't know what the score of Oklahoma State, Kansas State is, but if Oklahoma, or excuse me, Oklahoma, Kansas State, if Oklahoma loses that game, they're tied for fourth. You know, that puts them in in the number four seed, that puts them Mm -hmm. in the top half of the league, albeit with a month to go before the Big 12 uh, tournament. Um, And that means they could probably make a run in the tournament. Um, They still have to play the top, the best team. I think they're the best team in, in, in the conference in Texas, even though they're sitting towards the bottom of the standings, yeah. but they still have to, but they can they can pull off wins against any team in, in this conference. They just have to prove it against Texas next weekend.
0: And, and they you're talking about being West Virginia. West Virginia. It's it's an interesting case here. I was thinking of this earlier today. You know, football kind of operates in a vacuum where each outcome is really, really important. Each outcome really does tell you something about a team. Maybe in the grand scheme of things, each outcome doesn't tell you a lot, but when you see it happen, you can take a lot from each individual outcome of a football season. Baseball is so different. You know, I I know some people were uh, reacting maybe negatively to the midweek loss against Penn State. Of course you don't want to lose that game, and it did bring an end to an impressive streak for West Virginia where where it had been since, what, 2018? Yeah, they lost. Balance. That they last lost a midweek home game, an impressive streak there. Around Penn end. State as well. And it, it was against Penn State. But in in the whole totality of this season, that loss won't be a giant mark against West Virginia. Now, Friday's game, that game, if you want to look at it in a vacuum, that's not what you wanted to see out of West Virginia, where you do lose to a really bad Kansas team that. You know it is even worse uh, record wise than Penn State is uh, in, their, in their own conference. So maybe if you're looking for one outcome to react to, I guess, Friday is that reaction. But then West Virginia followed it up with two victories, albeit they, they weren't uh, d- dominant victories in some respects when you look at the final score line, but they were victories nonetheless. And kind of kind of going on, on the line that you were talking about of being built for 162. The name of the game in baseball is just to win each series. Win two out of three, and you normally, you know, if you're talking Major League Baseball, you're in the postseason if you win two out of three. If you're in college baseball, you win two out of three every weekend, you're probably in a good spot in your conference, and you might be going to the NCAA tournament. That's where West Virginia is. That's where, where they need to be. I think that's kind of where they are right now.
1: Yeah. The, the one question, though, I think coming out of this weekend is pitching. Um, all three starters struggled. Yeah. Um, and just to kind of go quickly go through all three of them, we'll, we'll work backwards. Zach Bravo. I'm going to be honest. I think his spot in the starting rotation is in question. He hasn't thrown five innings in a month since April third, the first uh, Big Twelve series against TCU. You know that's not a good thing when they're tr- they're going to need as many wins as they as they can get on on the weekend. And Sunday is supposed to be kind of where they. They're an even matchup, but he's put a lot of those games in jeopardy, um, uh, especially today. Um, he, he, so you gotta, you got to wonder where his spot in the starting rotation is. Ben Hampton, um, second week in a row he struggled. He threw three and a third mm-hmm. a week after throwing just three um, innings against uh, Texas Tech in Lubbock. Now, I'm not as pessimistic towards Hampton as I am towards Pro- Bravo. I'm not even that pessimistic towards Bravo, but um, you just have to kind of scratch your head at his performances lately. Um, but as for Hampton, I should say, twice as a coincidence, three times is a, is a trend. So yeah. obviously, and he's also their best arm. Mm-hmm. Um, just you know, flat flat out, plain and simple. So he he's not going to move. Um, Jacob Waters struggled on Friday, four innings pitched, seven hits, six runs. Um, And the second week in a row, he's struggled. But, again, we have to remember, preseason All-American, but a preseason All-American closer. He's been forced to stretch his arm out. And for the most part, he's done a really good job doing that. But um, still, at times, that's probably going to catch up to him. Um, So... You know, you got to wonder about the starting rotation. I don't think he's Randy Mazey's going to make many changes, but um, maybe on Sunday. But you know, that they that needs to improve if they really want right. to compete in the Big 12.
0: That that Sunday spot certainly in question. I think exiting the, this Kansas series. I, at least my take going into this series was that for Zach Bravo, this was a perfect series for him, a perfect opportunity for him to get right both in the stat line and maybe mentally as well to kind of get right, get back in check heading into what will be a huge Texas series this coming weekend. That didn't happen unfortunately. Once again, was unable to make it out of the fourth inning. All three of these West Virginia starters. Did not make it past the fourth inning. Jacob Waters on Friday, four innings pitched, six runs allowed, 116 pitches. He was over 60 pitches through two innings, uh, was Jacob Waters. And it looks even worse. When your counterpart, the Kansas starter, goes nine complete innings, only gives up three runs, and only, I guess, needs 127 pitches to do it, the the Kansas starter, Haggerty needed just 11 more pitches to get through five more innings of work on, on Friday. Now, granted, the West Virginia bullpen, for the most part, did a pretty good job the rest of this series, and Carlson Reed did actually a pretty good job there on Friday to not let that game go totally awry. He only gave up one run in four innings, only gave up three hits, but... Some of the back end of the bullpen guys, outside of Trey Braithwaite, a little bit of cause of concern. When Noah Short got a little bit roughed up on Sunday, he gave up a couple of runs and was responsible. Zach Ottinger wasn't exactly perfect. He ends up getting the win, but he danced around some trouble, and you know, Kevin Dowdell, we mentioned, wasn't able to get uh, that out necessary he needed at the end. And Chris Sleeper, again, even though on Saturday he gets the win, did give up a couple of runs and was responsible for some, some damage there. The bullpen, I think pitching in general, as we've said throughout the season, a concern, something to watch out for on this WVU team, but certainly against a Kansas team that is not that great of a hitting team, got a little roughed up. Some of the shine came off the ball this weekend.
1: Yeah, I mean, we can make excuses here. Um, You know, like you and I were speaking while watching today's game. The win was obviously a factor, Mm -hmm. and probably... Helped a lot of baseballs go over the fence and all that. But, um, yeah, the, definitely the pitching seemed to struggle on both sides. Um, but on a positive note about the about the bullpen, I, th- I think Carlson Reed um, has been standing out a little bit in the bullpen. He hasn't had perfect stat lines, but he's come out um, – ever since getting relegated to the pen. He was the opening day starter. Let's let's remember that. He was the Friday starter for a while, and then he got bumped to the bullpen. Um, but since then, he's really kind of shined. Um, ha- like I said, hasn't been perfect. Gave up a run over the weekend. Pitched against Penn State and gave up a run or two. Um, don't have that stat in front of me, but um, you know, two runs, thanks, Ryan. Um, but yeah, he- he's probably been the most consistent arm in the bullpen and he can come out and give you four innings. That's 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 valuable in the pen even if it's you know not perfect.
0: Yeah Carlson Reed after kind of getting relegated to the bullpen as you mentioned he did have five straight scoreless outings. Uh, now granted one of those outings was just getting one out and none of those outings went more than two innings on the mound. But he did go five straight outings without allowing a run. He has followed that up with four straight outings of allowing at least one run But I agree with you that Carlson Reed has been one of the more impressive guys out of the bullpen as of late for WVU. The issue becomes, and this isn't just an issue with with Carlson Reed, I think this is an issue with anyone that Randy Mazey wants to go to, is that it kind of looks like, from a a 60,000 foot view I guess you could say, looks like Aiden Majors kind of locked down that midweek starter role. He's done it now back-to-back weeks. I know he didn't have his best stuff uh, against Penn State, but I think he's going to be in that role for the foreseeable future. If not Zach Bravo and if not Carlson Reed, then where do you go? Because then at that point you're taking a guy who was a back end of the bullpen arm and you're doing what you did to Jacob Waters. You're thrusting him into a starting role. I just wonder where Randy Mazey goes from here. Because And you hear this a lot. I think we've even had this conversation on this podcast before that pitching is so much of a mentality thing. Some guys are just way more comfortable coming out of the bullpen. Carlson Reed might just be one of those guys where he's more comfortable out of the pen. Zach Bravo could be one of those guys where he's more comfortable out of the pen. You hope Randy Mazie and company can find the guy that they haven't maybe tapped into yet that's actually more comfortable being that starter and coming in and ending number one and then going to work from there.
1: And Honestly, that could be Carlson. Could um, be. I, I I think if I were to pick a guy that's um, that I need to move out of the bullpen into the rotation, I think it would be Carlson. Just because, first of all, he has starting experience. It may not be the most quality experience, but he has that experience, and he has proven that he can go. Like he pitched four innings today. That's more than, or, or excuse me, he pitched four innings on Friday. Mm-hmm. That's more than two of WVU's starters. That's more than Bravo, and that's more than Hampton. So. You know, I, if I were Randy Maisie and I needed to make that switch, we don't know if he is going to make a switch. We want to clarify here. But if I if I were Maisie, I would put Carlson Reed there um, just because he has the ability to go four. He can go five innings, and he can strike a lot of guys out and hold teams to, you know, I, I would say th- if you were to start, give you six innings, three runs is a prob- probably a, a quality. Uh, guess. The
0: other side of this coin, and not to go too far inside baseball on you here if you're listening to the Golden Blue Nation podcast, which of course we appreciate you listening to this podcast, is that maybe Randy Mazey, especially after this start for Zach Bravo, realizes that Bravo is an opener. He's not a starter, he's an opener, which you're seeing that trend throughout Major League Baseball. And you really saw that, I think, on Sunday, where the first time through the order, Zach Bravo was pretty solid. As soon as Kansas came around the second time, you could, they were all over his fastball, they were all over everything he had to offer the Kansas hitters. Maybe he's an opener. If Zach can get you those nine outs, then you throw it into a bullpen game, and you bring in a Carlson, who you hope can then can be kind of a long reliever maybe at that point you, you give him nine outs 12 outs maybe and then at that point maybe it's a Trey Braithwaite uh, Noah Short type game for you the rest of the way that might be another option for Randy Mazie if you don't want to take Zach Bravo out of the starting rotation you just kind of deem him an opener tell him hey I, I need you to get me nine outs however you do it I don't care I just need you to get me nine outs and, and give us the chance to take an early lead.
1: Yeah I, I like that a lot actually um now that you bring that up um and and there are there are a lot of quality arms in the bullpen. Let's let's not make mm. it seem like we're trashing um, the bullpen. I mean, Ottinger, he's probably good for a run and outing, but he pitched two and a third today. Noah Short is one of the best jam guys in the Big 12, I would say. Um, like you mentioned, he kind of struggled today. Um, and Chase Smith, the grad transfer from Pitt, uh, he – I've never been nervous watching him step onto the mound, a nice sidearm guy. Um, And then, of course, Trey Braithwaite, who can grab a save in just two pitches. But, um, yeah, so I, I do like that proposal. If you can save bullpen arms on Friday and Saturday to kind of give you a lot of reinforcement, then, yeah. I think Zach Bravo being an opener would be a really good proposal.
0: We'll see what happens when WV faces Texas at home at Montegalia County Ballpark this coming weekend. That series getting underway on May 6th. Uh, I believe it's May 6th. Yes, May 6th is that Friday. So, Sam, we, we've talked a lot about pitching here so far on the Golden Blue Nation podcast. Let's get, transition to the other side of the ball. And, of course, it, it is Maisie ball after all. Stolen base notes here. Uh, Victor Scott up to 33 stolen bases on the season. That, of course, has extended his now program record. That's five past the previous record. Uh, so he's now 33 on the year. Austin Davis holding pack at 25 stolen bases this season. West Virginia as a team. 135 stolen bases on the year. They will continue to be the number two team in the country going into
1: next week. Yeah, and like 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 we mentioned, you know, that's it's kind of it's kind of slowed down a little bit in the Big 12. But this this weekend they added four more to their total. Um, so that's that means they're beating their program record by 20 at this point. If I'm getting my math mm-hmm. right. I, again, when I mentioned before that they are built to win individual baseball games using situational baseball. That's pretty much it. You know, they're not going to blow you away with their power. They're just going to get extra bases the best way they know how and that's just taking them. I mean, Nathan Blassick had a steal on Saturday and a guy he's a guy that's not really known for his speed on the base paths, but he had a steal on Saturday before the pitcher even stepped on the rubber. He just took off. The guy was looking at the ground. Nathan was on second. So, that's that's just kind of how they're they're going to win baseball games. is just taking every inch that they can on the dirt. Having a Twilight Zone moment here because
0: I'm looking at Sam Coniglio to my left in in reality, and then I look back to my computer screen here in front of me, and who do I see in the corner of this webpage on Sports.com? Sam Coniglio, of course, who had to start a Randy post postgame press conference with that first question, by the way. So <laughs> a little bit of a Twilight Zone type thing for me here on the podcast. But So Sam, as we kind of transition now, there was something that we mentioned last week on this podcast following uh, last weekend's series that I wanted to go back to because I mentioned a stat for Alec Manoa. And my, the question was, would another solid year on the mound this year make him the WVU strikeout king in Major League Baseball, so of former Mountaineers in Major League Baseball? I wasn't sure of that answer, so of course I had to look it up. Right now, at this moment, Alec Manoa, sixth all-time in WVU history in Major League Baseball in strikeouts. Uh, with 152 and counting. So Sam, I guess I'll pose this question to you and see if you can figure this out off, off the fly here. He's on pace, Manoa is, for 187 strikeouts this season if he makes 30 starts. Nice round number for a starter. If he makes 30 starts, 187 strikeouts on the year. Where would that put him all-time on the WVU list in the MLB for strikeouts?
1: Hmm. Wow, he's at sixth right now. Are you talking about for a career? For a career, yeah. For a career,
0: yes. And I can have that season number for you too, actually. But
1: I I mean, I would say number one. I mean, how many how many major league, how many pitchers has WVU put in the in the major leagues? I feel like I'm going to get hammered for saying that, but so
0: well. So you're you're not that far off, really, when you think about it. Alec Manoa currently sixth. and he is the last former WVU player to have at least 100. Uh, strikeouts in in Major League Baseball. John Means currently second with 308. 187 strikeouts this year for Manoa would surpass John Means for second. The great Steve Klein, uh, who pitched from 97 through 07 in the Major Leagues for a couple of different teams, Uh, he is the leader in the clubhouse with 493 strikeouts for WVU in a career. As long as Manoa passes 135 this season, which is, certainly at this point it looks like he will do, he will have the record for most strikeouts in a single season.
1: That's that's astounding. I, and now I'm looking at the uh, list that you put out here, and I'm, I, I mean I forgot about David Carpenter, mm-hmm. who, who played fairly recently, and well, who could remember Johnny Go, Go, Go Who couldn't forget that guy? Of course, yeah. You I know, mean, from 1940 to 47. Yeah. Um, no, but uh, on a serious note, Alec. Alec he just mowed down the Red Sox the other day, pitched what seven innings of three-hit baseball, mm-hmm. shutout game. Uh, he, he's one of the best arms in the AL, maybe in, in all of the major leagues. I mean, right now he, he's allowing, what, uh, less than a batter on base every inning. He's got a whip of like .88, uh, an ERA under under 2.0, well under 2.0. So, um, I mean – He's, he's a Cy Young candidate early on. He's, and I actually looked. His odds. He's top 10 candidate for the AL Cy Young. There that's, we go. That's, uh, that's astounding for a second-year player, especially out of WVU. We haven't yeah. had a lot,
0: of, a lot of guys like that in the majors. Well, And, and you've got to think those odds for Alec Wanoa would be even better If his teammate Kevin Gaussman wasn't having a fantastic start to this season, uh, at least through, I think, seven innings today, he had not allowed a walk yet this season uh, to this point. He's, you know, four or five, maybe six starts into this year. So, I mean, Kevin Gaussman, certainly I'd say the leader in the clubhouse for the AL Cy Young Award right now. But he's got his teammate, in Alec Manoa, who's hot on his heels for that early season award. It'll be interesting to see who gets the – AL Pitcher of the Month award, whenever that comes out here in a couple days for the month of April. But yeah, so that little stat on Alec Manoa right there, he could become WVU's second all-time leader, or second place in the all-time strikeouts in Major League Baseball with a great season this year. And if he does have a really good season this year, he would have the most strikeouts in a single season. That number to beat 134, which John Means did last year. Uh, and actually, and actually, Alec Manoa had 127 last season. Those two were neck and neck the entire way. You Neither know of those guys really
1: played a full season, right. either. So if Alec can just stay healthy and play well, then that's easy. That's easy money for him.
0: Yeah, yeah. Alec Manoa didn't get called up till May last season. It was about this time last year that he got called up, and John missed, I think, it was about six weeks with a shoulder injury yeah. last season. Of course, you know he's on the injured list for the rest of this season with uh, Tommy John surgery that he just had over over the last week, so we hope John Means gets better, uh, certainly. For sure. But, uh, yeah, so Alec Manoa, moving up that WVU all-time leaderboard in the the MLB. Great to see it. All right, so we've we've teased this series enough. enough. Let's get right into it, Sam. A big series coming up this weekend for WVU as they host Texas, the number 10-ranked Texas Longhorns who currently are – they still losing to They're Oklahoma losing State? 10
1: to 8, top of the ninth, two outs. <sighs> Nolan McLean is at that 2-0. So he might get on get on base here. But that, you know, right now they're down 10 to 8, top of the ninth.
0: In Texas, uh so far, they have not played well against Oklahoma State. It looked like they were gonna take this game on Sunday, and then Oklahoma State, Sam, scored 10 runs in the top of the seventh inning, and Sam had the perfect call. i got to give you all the credit in the world. He had the perfect <laughs> call on a Griffin Dorshing grand slam, which at that point gave Oklahoma State the lead.
1: Yeah, just for reference, Griffin Dorshing uh, hit a car in Morgantown with a 450-foot homer yes, he did. just just days after hitting a 500-foot homer. So, you know, when, when they had <laughs> bases loaded and uh, I think no outs, uh, I was like, "You got to watch this, Deck. Come on! Like this, this, this is definitely going to be a Homer." The second I turned my computer monitor to show Ryan, he just golfs one Fantastic. over four hundred feet um, to to make it a, a. I think at that point it was eight to six. Um, or no, 8 know uh, eight, seven. Eight, eight, seven. Yeah. eight to seven. It was eight to seven, and then uh, at the end of that, Oklahoma State completed a ten-run um, seventh inning that lasted over forty-five minutes. Um, and just totally sucked the air out of the the Longhorn faithful in yeah. the stadium. That that place was rocking before mm-hmm. before that seventh inning, and now it's just silent. And people are. Literally falling asleep in the stands. Literally falling literally. asleep. Literally,
0: yes, very, very literally. If you go back on the Longhorn Network and watch that game, but so now Texas, as far as Oklahoma State takes care of business here with the final three outs, they will have been swept in this series by Oklahoma State, and it's been an interesting ride here as of late for Texas. The Longhorns were struggling; they did not play well early in Big Twelve play. They had won five in a row prior to this series against Oklahoma State, and now they will have lost three in a row coming out of this weekend, so they have really fallen back in the Big 12 Conference standings. They are currently sixth in the Big 12 Conference. A loss in this game would drop them to 9-9 nine and nine, the Longhorns on the year in conference play. The good news for Texas is that they've got a, four, a five game cushion in the win column on Baylor who is next in the Big 12 Conference standings, so they do have some cushion there and they would still be tied in the win column with Oklahoma and West Virginia as far as the standings go but Texas going back and forth kind of this season and playing well versus not playing well at all and that's really interesting for WVU because while you want Texas not playing well coming into this coming series you don't want them mad you don't want a really good really really talented team upset going on the road when they have an opportunity to also take take on a team in West Virginia that has not been playing overly really well it's of late,
1: especially when your pitching has been struggling. You know, because Texas talk about the the built for one hundred and sixty-two type of deal. They nobody hits the ball like Texas does. They're leading the they're, they lead the conference in batting average. They lead the conference in hits, and they lead the conference by a mile in homers. Um, now most of those come from the heavy bat of Ivan Melendez, um, but. Still, n- nobody's hitting the ball like they do, and and if West Virginia is going to give them balls to hit like they did this past weekend to Kansas, things could could get out of hand pretty quickly. Obviously, the, the Texas has to pitch the ball over the plate to West Virginia as well, but. Um, I mean, WVU needs to maximize their chance to win by keeping them off the base paths and keeping the ball inside the park.
0: Texas, the only team in the Big 12 Conference that has three different players, Ivan Melendez, Trey Faltine, and uh, Murphy Staley, uh, in the top ten. In the conference in home runs. Melendez has 22 entering play today. I'm not sure if he has homered on Sunday, but he's at he 22. So okay, so he's still at 22. Uh, Faltine is at 12, a little bit of a drop-off there, and then Steely also at 12 for Texas. So you've got 24 and that's what, 46 home runs right there. Just between those three players, WVU as a team, got to 39 today. Uh, a little bit of a difference in how a lineup is constructed, and that will never be more obvious, more blatant than this coming weekend when Texas and WB get together.
1: Yeah, I mean when you see Melendez uh, step into the box, he's he's just a menace. He's huge, um, and I'm not trying to like advocate for the Longhorns or anything. I'm just I'm just calling it like I see it. Right. He's he's a big dude and he mashes the ball. He's got a slugging percentage of over 900. His slugging percentage, I think I said this on last week's podcast. His slugging percentage is higher than most players' OPS. And uh, that's, you know, that's that's unreal. And, and it's only gotten higher this past week despite the, the sweep. Just, just having a guy like that, that means his OPS is over 900. That means he's almost good for a bag every single time he steps to the plate. So, like I said, keep them off the base paths and keep the ball inside the park. That's how you're going to have a chance against Texas.
0: Ivan Melendez, his 903 slugging percentage coming into uh, Sunday was more than 200 points better than Jace Young for Texas Tech, who uh, who is second in the Big 12 Conference in slugging percentage. And Jace Young, for those who maybe didn't catch the Texas Tech series against WVU earlier this season, is one of the better bats, one of the better players in the Big 12 conference. So, 200 points of separation between Ivan Melendez, who does stand by the way at six foot three, 225 pounds, and Jace Young, who will be in in one day a top 20 draft pick, more than likely.
1: Melendez very well could be too, because um, if, if for those at home that don't really know his story, to in brief. Last season, he was drafted in the 18th round by the Marlins, and he made the rare choice to say, "You know what? I'm going to come back and improve my draft stock." And uh, so far, it's paid off. He's the best bat in the country, probably. You know, uh, he's he's top five in every single category. Um, And like I said, the the stats say that he is hitting the ball better than anybody at at the very least. So, just having a guy like that on your team is going to be a huge asset, and and he's going to be a, a heck of a player to watch next weekend.
0: Coming into this weekend, Ivan Melendez was tied for the lead in the nation in home runs with 21. He has homered in this series. I do know that Kevin Parada for Georgia Tech has hit home run number 23. He did that on Saturday. I saw that on Twitter. So Melendez is at least one off the pace there. Not sure what Old Dominion's Matt Courtney did this weekend. Don't have those stats in front of me right now. But so – easily top two in the nation in home runs is Ivan Melendez and certainly leading the way in the big 12. And again, not to turn this into a look how great Texas is type of segment here on the Golden Blue Nation podcast. But Texas is certainly, when you look at the scope of the big 12, I think Oklahoma State and Texas Tech have been by far the two most consistent teams in the league this season. but one game, just looking at looking at the roster, Texas's roster I would say by far is the most talented roster in the Big 12. Now that hasn't always translated to wins this year and they have dealt with some injuries we we do know that but certainly Texas is not an opponent to kind of mess around with and as you were saying a little while ago don't leave them pitches to hit. You know, Certainly, th- these West Virginia pitchers are going to have to work around the strike zone this coming weekend, uh, facing against the Texas Longhorn hitters. Uh, Texas, however, w- they are going to play Houston Baptist during the midweek, which you and I were talking before we-, we started recording here. That might be good for West Virginia, it could be, just in the sense that you don't want a really talented team mad coming into your ballpark without having a chance to blow off some steam in the midweek. Otherwise, without that Houston Baptist game, at least in my opinion, Texas would have just, they would have been just steaming on this Oklahoma State series for five, six days, then come to Morgantown, and Friday might have been a really interesting game to watch from the standpoint of Ivan Melendez and some of these guys might have just been crushing everything that comes their way. Maybe they can get all that steam, all that frustration out against Houston Baptist, Uh, no offense to the Houston Baptist team, Uh, get that frustration out there, and then come in on Friday a little bit more relaxed and maybe too relaxed against these Mountaineers.
1: Yeah, that, that would be a that would be a big help. I mean, baseball is a mental game, and if, if if you're just you know coming in with one eye shut, then that'll put you at a big disadvantage. But I mean, the, Texas has a lot to be ticked off about when they come into Morgantown. Um, they they kind of got cloppered this weekend. You know, they lost by 11 yesterday on Saturday, and they gave up a 10 spot in the seventh inning. I mean, how how painful can that be we were watching that and it was just i had never seen anything like that in my yeah. life 10 runs including a grand slam um right now and right now they're three outs away from getting swept although uh, it's gonna be two outs we're giving you a little bit of play-by-play here on texas oklahoma state no it's it's uh, two outs until they uh, get swept um but yeah they're they're Likely going to get swept here and and, and with the most painful loss being just an eight-run collapse Mm -hmm. in in the last three innings of the game. So, um, you know, if they can just come in on the back heels, the, the WVU's got a little bit of a leg up there.
0: And one thing to point out, too, about this Texas-Oklahoma State game, the Oklahoma State starter had to leave this game early with what looked like an injury. I'm not sure of his diagnosis, uh, but he had to leave this game a little bit early. I think it was in the second or third inning due to what appeared to be an injury. So Oklahoma State's been in a bullpen game unprompted, uh, unexpectedly, since the, the very early portion of this game. And Texas has just not been not been able to take advantage of that. Which again, it's kind of interesting given the conversation we had earlier about what you do, especially on Sunday, for this WVU pitching staff.
1: Yeah, and, and but at the same time, you know Texas has been burning through their bullpen as well. Their right. bullpen couldn't throw a strike for that seventh inning. When they did, Oklahoma State put it against the fence or over the fence. Um, so you know that there are a lot of uh, cracks in the armor, shall we say? for Texas. So, um, it'll be interesting to see what kind of bats WVU brings in, uh, uh, on, on next weekend.
0: Give you a lot of good stats about Texas here. The last couple of moments, here's a really good stat for West Virginia heading into this series. WVU 14 and 10 overall versus Texas in the regular season. That includes a seven and two record at home for the Mountaineers against those Longhorns. That includes a sweep of Texas back in 2016. And West Virginia has has just played really well against these Longhorns, no matter where they play, but especially at home, they've played really well Has WVU. And that's really important, obviously to take care of home field advantage. But when you kind of know going in, you've done well against this Longhorns team in the past, that that gives you a little bit of a confidence boost going into this this series, for sure, I I would assume.
1: Yeah, and and especially they're going to have some Real home field advantage this weekend. Um, just a note, if you're going to go to the stadium, if you're planning to go to the stadium, get a ticket as soon as possible. Yes. Um, if the Oklahoma State Series was in any indication about what the crowd's going to look like, Texas, this weekend will probably have an even bigger crowd. I showed up 45 minutes early to that game. There wasn't a seat in the press box. I was parking on the grass. Um, so get there early. Buy your tickets even earlier. You're not going to be able to get them at the gate. Um, that's just my sales pitch for WVU, I guess. Um, and, and, but as for the actual baseball, yeah, Randy Mazey and his team loves playing Texas in Morgantown. Um, the last sweep they had in the Big 12 before Baylor was Texas. We, we mentioned that to him uh, after the Baylor sweep earlier this season, and he had a big grin on his face looking back and saying that was one of his favorite weekends As the as the skipper for the Mountaineers, so you know this is going to be definitely a a fun weekend for Mountaineer baseball fans, and um, if they can if they can pull off a couple of wins here, that'll be huge for the future of the of of the season. Sam, I wasn't trying to be rude there. I was actually texting my
0: parents. They are coming up for this weekend series. Standing room only seats or tickets, I guess, are available for Friday and Saturday's game as we look here on uh, WVU's website. So standing room only Friday and Saturday. There are seats available as we come to you right now, 6.14 p.m. on Sunday for the Sunday game against the Longhorns. But as you were just saying, standing room only. Get your tickets while they last.
1: we still got five days to go, and, yeah. and it's standing room only. I mean, And even the Penn State crowd is really good on, on uh, Wednesday, I believe mm-hmm. that was. That was Wednesday. Yeah, the Penn State crowd is really good. So um, as the weather's warming up, Mountaineer fans are paying attention to this team, and and uh, they're packing the stadium.
0: And just remember, you have know, standing room tickets, only $5 a pop, and Sunday tickets range from $3 to $7, and there are still seats available. So, again, that's our pitch for WVU on behalf of the folks there for WVU. Come out to the ballpark, and, you know, certainly it's, it's a nice plus here that if you're listening to the Golden Blue Nation podcast, you get this information before time runs out. That's why you listen to all of our podcasts here from Golden Blue Nation. And of course, we'll be keeping you updated on WVU, the baseball team, all other teams throughout the spring on TV with daily Mountaineer Minutes on the website goldenbluenation.com and on the always free Golden Blue Nation app on your favorite Apple or Android devices. For Sam Caniclio, I'm Ryan Decker. This has been another edition of the Golden Blue Nation podcast brought to you by Pritt and Spano, West Virginia's lawyers, your WVLawFirm.com.